God is going to read our Bible in this morning. Thank you. Good. I think um, today's reading should contain a health warning. Uh, you can find the reading on page 1179 in the Bible in the chair. That's 1179. And it's from Galatians chapter 3, beginning at the first verse. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law, or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Have you experienced so much in vain, if it really was in vain? So again I ask, does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by your believing what you heard? So also Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announced the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse as it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Clearly, no one who relies on the law is justified before God, because the righteous will live by faith. The law is not based on faith. On the contrary, it says, the person who does these things will live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, so that by faith, we might receive the promise of the Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. And Graham said there that um, this passage should come with an elf warning. I actually think the old book of Galatians should come with an elf warning. It's a really, do you know, quite, when, when I first thought, when Steve said we were going to preach on Galatians, we were going to do Daniel with the initiative, and I'm looking really forward to Daniel. 
And then um, Galatians, I, I find Galatians a really challenging book in so many, many different ways, but there's loads of little nuggets throughout it, but it goes really deep back into Old Testament uh, to Abraham, to Moses, uh, and there's so much richness there for us to, to learn. It just takes some studying, it just takes some getting to grips with. We have actually been doing a, a study up at uh, Trinity. We've got a six-week Bible study going on. Uh, and a few people have fallen by side, I'm, I'm afraid to say, because they've really, really struggled with it. But those that have continued, you can see pennies now starting to drop. We're just halfway through, and pennies starting to drop a little bit. So stick, stick with it. It's a challenging book, but it's also a little gold book. You want a little gold book inside you find in Scripture. Two old preachers were sitting in the boat discussing whether salvation was of works or of grace. The man rowing the boat listened to them and observed that they were unable to come to a conclusion. So the preachers asked him what he thought. Give his explanation. I have two O's. I'll call one pen and the other works. If I pull one O, the boat goes around in circle. If I pull the other one, the boat goes around and around in the other direction, but still in circles. However, if I use both of them together, I will get across. Collins, 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 uh, <laughs> 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 so the cracker illustration. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Don't you love the way Paul starts this passage in verse one? You foolish Galatians, says Paul to the Galatian church. No being around the bush with Paul. Paul never mixes his word with Paul. You're going to get what he says. No suffering ages. No trying to change the word so it doesn't seem quite harsh. Blunt and direct, that's Paul. And just to let the Galatians know, he means it, in verse 3, he says again, Are you so foolish? But why is Paul getting so tight and calling the Galatians fools? I've got this vision in my head of Paul jumping up and down in a frenzied expression. I see battle falter in falling towns. You foolish Galatians! That's how I imagine Paul when I read this passage. Really, really frustrated. In these first five verses, the person is blaming them fools for trying to please God by keeping his law, by keeping the works of the law. Now, if you've just joined us this Sunday or you've been asleep over the last three Sundays, you might be saying to yourself, well, what's the problem? What's, what's the problem with keeping God's law? Surely that's what God wants us to do. Well, if there's one thing that we've learned so far in Galatians is that trying to please God with our good works doesn't work. It doesn't work. Because we've heard that God of the Bible is holy and perfectly good. It's, it's we. It's we who are flawed. It's we that have a sinful nature. And no amount of good works are ever going to justify us. In his sight, our God works are just... Sorry, in, our, in his sight, our good works... To God are just filthy rats. And in chapters 1 and 2, Paul has already told us there's one who is righteous. And that's, of course, Jesus Christ. Jesus lived the life that we should have lived and the death that we should have died. I don't know, I'm going to ask you to go on to the first slide. It, actually, if you've got, if you have Bibles, it could be good just to follow this, but it is on the screen as well. So that's, uh, yeah. Verse 16 of chapter 2. 
Verse 16 of chapter 2 that we looked at last week told us that we can actually be justified in front of God through faith in Christ. Verse 16 last week said this Know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. Because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. This explains why Paul is calling the Galatians fools. Because in verse 1 to 5 our passage, of our passage today, it seems like they've gone right back to the beginning again and they're trying to earn their way to God through their good works. Someone or some group of people are coming and they've bewitched them. And they've been teaching them that it's fine to start your Christian life by faith in Christ. But then they're also adding other little bits on that you need to keep on doing the works of the law in order to complete and be perfect and perfect your Christian life. No wonder Paul has because it looks like they've gone completely back to square one. It's as if they've not even heard the original message that Paul had for them. And this problem, I think, is not unique to the church in Galatia 2,000 years ago. It's something that bothered Christians all the way down the centuries. And perhaps it's something that bothers you today about how you live your Christian life. The way I think was about something like this. I know I have to have faith in Christ crucified for me in order to receive forgiveness of my sins in the first place. But what about the rest of my Christian life? Don't I need to keep up certain standards of behaviour and live in order to stay in God's favour? You find yourself thinking that. Well, Paul's unmistakable answer in these 14 verses is no. No. It's spiritual foolishness to do that. And he gives the Galatians that us this morning three reasons here why it's spiritual foolishness. So, three more to five. The first one comes in verses one to five. And it's the witness of the Spirit. I'm not going to read through it. As a way of describing the beginning of the Christian life, I wonder if the phrase received by the Spirit in verse 2 or begun by the Spirit in verse 3 comes as a bit of a surprise to us. Because Paul is very clear that when someone puts their faith in Christ crucified, it's not merely that someone is sort of changing their mind intellectually and choosing to live a different life. But actually, it becomes a supernatural event. When someone puts their faith in Christ, the God of the universe, somehow it comes to dwell in this person through the Holy Spirit. We all have the Holy Spirit within us. In fact, it's such a radical event that Jesus describes it in another terms in John's Gospel as being born again. The logic of Paul in these first five verses, I think, goes something like this to the Galatians. You've already seen that trying to do the works of the law didn't cause God to dwell in you by his spirit. That wasn't working. It was actually when you heard the message of Christ crucified and responded to it by faith. That spirit comes to dwell in you. So why? Why are you going back to doing what was definitely not working before? Why are we going back to all the ways? They didn't work. I think it's like a totally helpless, drowning man who gets rescued out of sea by an SE helicopter. And then the helicopter starts flying back to the safety of the dry land. And he turns around and says to the pilot, Hey, thanks for rescuing me. I really appreciate it. But I just don't want to waste your time or your fuel. 
So just drop me back into the sea right here, and I'm sure I can make the way best of the spirit, best of the way by myself. It's going to be ridiculous. It's going to be ridiculous. But if you're a Christian here this morning, can I invite you to stop for a moment and ask yourself if you think like that, I can do it by myself. Think about it consciously or unconsciously about living the Christian life. Do you think that God started by God's faith in God's grace, but then carry on and finish by your own good works? Because Paul's very clear saying here that it's wrong, it's foolishness. We know it by our own experience that God works, God's works, their good works at locus. If we want to be in a relationship with a good and perfect God, but be more positive, I wonder if we as Christians need to stop and realise the immensity of what it means for God of the universe to come and dwell with us with his Holy Spirit. And that is working a new deep life in us. Do you realise that if you're trusting in Christ, do you realise God dwells in you by his Spirit? If you trust in Christ, God's Spirit dwells in you. I want to remind you of some of the things that God promises to do by His Spirit in the New Testament. Also, in Paul's letters to Galatians, as prophets to the Old Testament, promises that would happen after the Messiah came. God promised that God would pour out His Spirit on His people into the hearts of believers to give them a new heart and a new ability to keep God's law. And later in the letter to Galatians in chapter 5, we'll see Paul's, Paul describes God's Spirit producing in us a new life of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. All things that actually don't come naturally to us. But the Spirit produces these fruits in us in the same way that He first saved us through faith in Christ. In verse 5, Paul actually asked them, in the present tense about their Christian lives at the moment. Paul says, does he give you his spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by your believing what you heard or by hearing with faith? We're not just saved and forgiven in the past by Christ's death for us, but we continue and grow in the present as Christians by applying, applying this faith in Jesus in Christ crucified into every area of our lives. Living in the light of that truth in our lives and God's Spirit helps us to do that more deeply. God's Spirit is the only way we can begin the Christian life and he's the only way we continue with the Christian life. Adam, we're going to ask you to move on to the The second reason Paul gives the Galatians for not going back <coughs> to rely on the works of the law for salvation is this. Verse 6 to 9. It is a, it's a witness to Abraham. Remember this new group that had arrived at the Galatian church were teaching not to be a complete Christian. Let's start that again. So we need to, uh, I need to calm down a little bit. <laughs> Remember this new group that had arrived at the Galatian church were teaching that to be a complete Christian you needed to have faith in Christ and to keep the Old Testament law. So this next part of Paul's argument in verses 6 to 8 I think 
It's absolutely genius. Because Paul takes the Galatians right back to the beginning of the Bible, to Abraham, to the father of the Jewish nation. And he shows them that actually from the very beginning of God's relationship with his people, their relationship with him was never based on keeping the law. It was based on faith. In verse 6, Paul quotes from Genesis 15, and he says, God makes an extraordinary promise to Abraham. And he brought him outside and he said, look towards the heaven and the number of stars, if you're able to number them. Then he said, so shall your offspring be. Paul then quotes from Genesis 12, which was also there in the reading. God also promises that through his offspring of Abraham, all the peoples on earth are going to be blessed. We've heard about Abraham's blessing for nations many times. Paul explains in verse 8 that this is that is saying it was an advance announcement by God to Abraham with this gospel message that God was going to bring all people into the world to be his children. And in verse 9, just like with Abraham, this is going to happen by faith. I wonder if you notice that's an, un- it's an unconditional promise by God. Nowhere does he say to Abraham, in order this to happen, you must keep my laws. He never says that. Look instead how Abraham responds in Genesis 15, verse 6. And this is actually also in, in 6 as well. It's very similar. And he believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. I find this amazing. I think it might be one of the most amazing verses in the Bible, right from the very beginning. Being righteous in God's sight is not by our own works. It's been by faith. What matters is that we believe. We believe. Like Abraham did. Today it means that you are a son or daughter of Abraham. If you believe like he did. And let's just notice one thing about his faith before we move on. He didn't just believe in God. He didn't just believe in God's existence and the certain doctrines about God. He actually believed God. It was a personal faith. A personal faith. Abraham trusted God and he trusted, he trusted God's promises <coughs> to him. Paul reminds us that God promised Abraham that he would bless him and that those who are of faith are sons of Abraham and blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith, the man of faith, Jesus. Jesus is a descendant of Abraham and the blessings promised to him come to us through Jesus. The covenant God made with Abraham came 430 years prior to God giving the law to Moses. Abraham inherited faith, but Moses and the Israelites worked and struggled to keep the law. God's word doesn't tell us that we inherit the blessings of Moses, but we inherit the blessings of Abraham. God only gave the law to prove to people that they couldn't keep it. Remember that with Moses, the law. God only gave him the law because he knew he couldn't keep the law. And that they needed a saviour who was yet to come. Isn't that amazing? They needed a saviour. You're going to do this law, you're going to get it wrong. But eventually I'm going to send someone to the make a vast difference to everything. You know, I hope that when I pass from this mortal world to leave my children and grandchildren a little bit of inheritance, the only thing I want from them in this time <coughs> is their love, their respect, and a little bit of their time. That's all I ask for. I think we can easily see that God 
wants the same from us. God wants exactly the same from us. A little bit of love, a little bit of respect, and a little bit of our time. And it's so amazing that when we realise that no one has seen or imagined all the good things that God has prepared for those who love him, Abraham believed God in his faith was counted to him as righteousness with God. And that same thing is true for us. So we must ask ourselves this morning, do we have that personal faith in God that Abraham had? <coughs> Which is a personal faith that actually believes his promises. It's all that Abraham needed, and actually it's all that we needed too. We can ask God, Adam, we will. 3, 10 to 14. The third reason Paul gives to the Galatians is to keep trusting in Christ crucified at the beginning, the middle, and the end of his life, of their lives. It's the witness of Christ crucified, and it comes in those last verses. Christ crucified. The third reason, there are those who rely on you. See that word rely? At the top there, rely. Those that rely on the works of the law. These people, Paul says, are under a curse. Because God's law itself said in the book of Deuteronomy that he quotes from, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law, and do them in all things. The person who seeks to justify themselves before God by living a good life has got to be all of God's laws. They rely on him to justify themselves before God. The clear message of the Old Testament scripture is we can't keep God's law because that's the lesson of the Israelite people. We see them failing again and again. God who made us is perfectly good and holy, and we fall so far short of his glory. It's a natural state. We just simply can't continue always to do these things. If you take the Ten Commandments, it's not like one of those exam questions where it says attempt any three of these. <laughs> God actually requires to keep us keep all of the Ten Commandments. It's very, very clear. I wonder how we manage it on keeping the Ten Commandments. Personally, I stumble at the first one. You shall have no other gods before me. Because if God is our creator, and it stands to reason that we owe him everything, that I know that I don't live by that. The reality is that I'm constantly worshipping myself, my comfort, my success, my security, my pleasure, and the list goes on and on and on. What pleases and this life? If we rely on our good works to please God, well, brothers and sisters, then we're going to fail. And we're going to be under this curse, which means to be rejected by Him. But the great news is that there's another way to live, and it's to have faith in the one who has taken that curse for us. You know, many people have said to me this last bit. Um, I was talking to people who were Trinity this morning, it's not one stage, they really struggled with this, this last bit, and, and I can understand why. I can understand why. It's to have faith in the one who has taken that curse for us. Paul quotes this Old Testament reference to the person who was hung on a tree, a person who was normally executed by stoning, 
but sometimes they were only trimmed backwards to symbolise divine rejection. It's a really stark image. And that and, and what Paul writes here is so strong that it could stop us in our tracks. Because he relates this to Christ hanging on a different tree. When Christ died on the cross for us, it took God's rejection. It took God's curse instead of us. Jesus took God's curse. Jesus took God's rejection. Paul emphasises so much the completeness of this rejection that Christ took. That Jesus himself actually became the curse. He didn't just take the curse, but he became it in some way. He was so fully absorbed for the price of our sins that he became it. Jesus became the curse. And if Jesus became the curse for us, it means that he fully took all of our sins for himself. There was nothing left to pay. It was fully transferred to Christ. You know that utterly wonderful consequence as for us. Verse 14 says we receive the blessing of Abraham. The blessing of Abraham is that God credits us or regards us as perfectly righteous. It means that just as Christ basically became a curse for us, we receive the perfect righteousness in return. Paul is saying here that it's a complete swap. It's what Martin Luther called a great exchange, our sinfulness for Christ's righteousness. There's a hymn, you know, called The Power of the Pot, written by Stuart Townley. And in one of the verses, it always sticks in my mind and it speaks of it like this. It simply says, the power of the cross, Christ became sin for us, took the blame, bore the wrath, we stand forgiven at the cross. What welcome relief this is. It means for the one who trusts in Christ, there's no more sins to pay for the past, for the present, or the future. Well, the Bible passages refer to the Christian being clothed in righteousness of Christ. His righteousness is now our righteousness. It's true when we come to faith, and it's still true this morning. As we close, I wonder if, like me, this resonates with you a little bit. I was hopeless at school, you know, and sometimes I still have a dream about having to go back into exam hall and sit my exams all over again. I told you, I keep telling you, I left the stage two canoes to Doing exams never came easy to me. And I had this dream about going back into exam hall. Please don't do this with Christian life. Don't go back into that exam hall and try to do the exam all over again. Because you know, Jesus Christ has already taken that exam for you. It's done. The witness of his spirit, the witness of Abraham, the witness of Christ crucified. They're all united in saying the way into Christian life <coughs> is to have faith in Christ crucified. And the way forward in the Christian life is to have faith in Christ crucified. To grow in our faith in Christ crucified. To apply that glorious truth to all the areas of our lives and to grow. And to do that by the power of God's spirit who lives in you, the believer. So as we come to prayer, let's just ask God, let's just pray together. The power of the cross, Christ became sinless, took the blame, bore the wrath, and we stand forgiven at the cross.
and the family simply asked that we would take the truth to our hearts this morning, perhaps for the first time. Perhaps it's something we need to remember and that we've drifted from. That is that we're trying to stay in with you by our good works and not depending on Christ's death in our place on the cross. So help us to believe for our past, our present and our future. Help us to know the power of your spirit at work in us. Help us to grow in our faith by his power and his strength and to live in the light of what you've already done for us. And let that transform the way we approach all of our lives. And we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Friends, we're going to watch a video. I'm going to suggest that we remain seated and after this is the power of the Lord.